Welcome to the Soul Podcast. Great stories, tough issues, grace in the real world. Soul is a production of Through the Word. That's the intro. Time for the show. So let's get to it. You've got to hear this story. Welcome to the Soul Podcast, everyone. Great stories, tough issues, grace in the real world. I'm Chris Langham. Brad Hornback is with me once again. Thank you for allowing me to be back, Chris. All right. This is part three in our series. How have you liked the series so far? You know, it, it's weird. I love it. But I love it because of the people that we have as our guests, you know, and their stories. I don't love the topic. I don't love the situation. Yeah. The but topic is hard. It is. And, uh, and as we jump back into this, we've invited everybody back in the studio. So I'm going to introduce everyone. Actually, Brad, why don't you introduce your, uh, your co-workers? I'll introduce my neighbors. We can be friendly. <laughs> you don't want to crisscross it up a little bit, just have fun. No, okay. <laughs> so Frank and Autumn Bignami are back with us. Thank you guys for coming back. Um, you guys are amazing people, which, you know, people that listen to episode one heard, uh, and there's there's more they're going to hear, but we really, we're thankful for you guys being here and sharing your story. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Welcome back to see you guys. And Steve and Abertreskis are my neighbors, and fantastic neighbors at that. Mm. Steve's a firefighter, and, uh, and all four of these guys were at the same place at the same time in Las Vegas on October 1st, 2017. And, uh, and if you haven't heard parts one and two, if you're listening to this, go back and listen to that and uh, because that, that really gives a, a lot to this story. Stephen Abra, I want to say welcome. Welcome to the studio, guys. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. And uh, what, now here's what we're going to do. We've told the story of, uh, of what happened at, at the shooting. And I'm not going to give quite the warning that I did in episodes one and two. We're, we're not going to go back to the shooting in this episode. And, and so... I don't need to, to give the warning for, for kids or if you've got PTSD, but we're actually going to talk a little bit about PTSD, and we're going to talk about the road to recovery and uh, and the healing that is required and the healing that happens. It's been two years. We are, are two years on, so uh, we want to talk about some of that road. Uh, some some of the wounds that, that need to be healed are more obvious. Some of those wounds are, are inside or or in the mind, but uh, but we want to talk about healing and that road. But before we get into that story, Brad, why don't you lay out the rules of engagement for the Soul Podcast? All right, there's four of them that we always mention, but we want to hold to these: is respect the stories uh, that are involved, humility before wisdom, grace always. I like to say this one twice sometimes: grace always, uh, and then God has has the last word. All right, the rules are down. Time for the story. Now, here's where I, I, I want to jump in. We really left off for, for each of you guys at the hospital. And uh, and I just learned it was the same hospital. What was, the, what was the hospital you were at? It was. We were at Sunrise. Sunrise Hospital. How far away was that from the uh, from the event? How, how far did you actually get? I think it's about two or three miles. Okay. It's was it the closest far. hospital? Is this where most no. of the first responders uh, no, were going? No, well, it actually was. So I found out, I just found out yesterday, uh, when you were, if you were at the venue and you asked your phone, if you Googled or asked Siri where the closest hospital was, Sunrise is what popped up. Um, it was a level two trauma center. Mm -hmm. Ironically, there was a level one trauma center in Las Vegas, but more people were directed to Sunrise, and that was because of the search engine. Like that's what popped up. Oh, really? So it was Google that sent. So, so the <laughs> well, so Sunrise Google. got more more victims than anybody else mm -hmm. coming in where they were. Okay, so so we're actually going to catch up there at the hospital now. When when we left off with with Frank and Autumn, Autumn is uh, is in 
ER. Frank is out in the, the waiting area. Steve, you guys were actually some of the first to arrive before they realized what was happening. Mm-hmm. And by the time the, the doctors realized what was going on, they, they've got you, you've got, now you got a bullet in the leg. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and where else were you hit? I was grazed in my back and then on my other leg. Okay, and uh, and you're sitting in uh, in one of the beds, and uh, and and bring us back to that story. By the time that that they realize how much is coming in, they mm. they let you out. Yeah, they they politely asked, which I was <laughs> more than happy to leave. It was it was awkward. Um, patients were were coming in fast and furious. Um, I went to sit in the hallway, and they wheeled me out. That's where I think I mentioned there's probably fifty to seventy five patients just sitting in the hallway all with diff- varying different grades of wounds um, had that interaction with that gentleman that had the shot to the belly and then finally realized I could probably make more space for more victims because I you know had a, a small wound in my leg so I walked out to the uh, waiting room where Abra was and just I sat with her for what, a couple hours. couple hours and then one of the stewards that was walking through saw my leg wrapped and said, have you been treated? I said, I have, but I've come out here to be with my wife. And he said, no, we need to get you back. So there was no room in the ER. So we went ahead. They moved us to a, an observation, cardiac observation ward. And it was just, it was so nice to have some peace and quiet. You know, I was in a bed. And we stayed there for a couple more hours to where it was like, okay, everything's calm down we're gonna leave and so we signed out um, we knew they had too many patients to tend to uh, we jumped in our car signed out the nurse didn't recommend it but when I asked when her when you say you signed out you really haven't had no any more assistance no you're still yeah so you've just got a wrap around the bullet in your leg right around your leg with yeah the, still the bullets in there but has not been examined or properly treated no yeah they kept telling us to stay there you know just stay a couple more hours and they'll come around and get to you and we did we stayed and stayed and then we realized quickly that that wasn't going to happen because there was so many people and they were also moving people down to where we were Mm. that had been shot in the buttocks and other areas and so we knew they would go first yeah. So by the morning time, I we she allowed us to sign ourselves out. Well, it it was kind of a we were happy being there because of the security. Right, it, there was nowhere to go. You couldn't go anywhere on the strip. It was locked down. Mm-hmm. All of our friends, we'd finally got a hold of them on the phones to make sure everybody was okay and accounted for. We were in a safe refuge area, and we were mm-hmm. good with that until you know we were probably six or seven hours into it. I asked the nurse to sign out. She said, I don't recommend it. I said, well, would you? She goes, I would. So I said, well, give me the paper. And we signed. I don't recommend it to yeah. you, but I would. If I, and I we, lo- we were fortunate. My, my aunt lives in Las Vegas, so she was able to drive over and pick us up at the hospital. She was a- We were able to get through the barricades because they they knew that I was a part of the the scene and were allowing me to get back to the hotel. And we grabbed our our clothing and, and headed home and headed back to UCI Medical Center. So what time of day is it at this point? You're driving morning. through the desert. Abra drove and she's a trooper because she was up all night. And uh, But she she drove home and went straight to UCI. And if you don't know, if, it, if someone's been shot, it has to be reported to the local police agency. And so 
through work, they made the the proper communication, so they knew we were coming in. And okay. I think there's about three or four of us that drove mm-hmm. back um, hmm. from Vegas to be seen at, at uh, yeah. UCI. So it all worked all out. All at the same time. Everybody showed up at the same time in the morning yeah. at UCI. But then, wow. and, yeah. and I'll let you cut out, but I mean, that's when the news media started oh. to follow us to the hospital. Oh, really? And then that turned into another whole escapade. Yeah, so. followed us to our house. <laughs> really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the news just hounding you for... For a story, for a story, yeah. and that, and just real quick on that is, we had just gotten back to the house. My whole family was there, and not one to want to do an interview. But I figured, you know what? Maybe maybe we can give our side of the story, give a more of a, a godly perspective of what we felt. And we thought the interview went super well. I mean, it was uh, one of the major news. I think it was four Channel Four. And I thought, oh, this went amazing. You know, we were excited. And then, you know, what my intentions were were no match for the editing scissors of the of the table. <laughs> yeah, and yes. uh, they cut out all of the things that we wanted to give glory to mm-hmm. and made it a completely reversed it to a hero story of, oh, to sell. And it, it was a bummer, but they want to tell their story. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and unfortunately, that's the way news works a lot of times yeah. is that it, Tell what sells, yeah. and if it they, if they don't want to tell a God story, they just want to tell a hero story. Then mm. then they'll snip it up, and that's the way it goes. Yeah. Now, so you guys next morning are able to head back to UCI and are home pretty quickly. Frank and Autumn, how long was uh, was your time in Sunrise Hospital? We were there for nineteen days, mm. and he didn't know we were separated for the first seven hours. So, Six or seven hours before he found out that I was... Because you we end were, up going in without an ID on you. I went in without the ID, and then uh, they moved me with that wheelchair into a small like a hallway, basically. And we found out after the fact, within a few minutes of being in the hallway, I passed out. And luckily, there was a nurse that was with me at the time. And so when I passed out is when they realized that there was an, in, like a, an injury to my back. Because at that point, they thought it was just the face. Oh, they hadn't even seen They the didn't realize it because they bandaged it. And they're, you know, but so, so it was at that point, they rushed me into surgery. And so it was several hours later. There were lots of people looking for me. You know, different hospital staff was trying to locate loved ones. And then um, we ended up being connected. He was walked down a hallway, was able to kind of spot me, he says, from down the hall and said, that's my wife. Seven hours later. So, no, it, it was actually shorter than that. Okay. We were at 10.30s when I, 10.25, right around when I got there, um, I got moved to a surgical waiting room. I had a friend of a friend who got me back and out of the chaos, which I forever be grateful for. I, my friend met me there. I was back there and there was only myself, my buddy, uh, another girl, friend of his and another family who I don't think was a part of the trauma and part of the scene. And I was there till about one o'clock and then fell asleep for about 45 minutes to an hour because he asked me, what do you want to do? I said, I just want to fall asleep and you wake me up and let me know because I can't sit here and think about what I'm going to tell my kids anymore. I I can't do this. And I was passed out for about two o'clock and I sprang to my feet and he was like, he looked at me like, "Uh oh, and I said, you're lying. And he goes, what am I lying about? I said, she's dead and you won't tell me until her sister gets here. And he was like, dude, I, I don't know. 
I was like, you're lying. And at that point, I raised my voice, and a nurse walked in, and she was like, what can I do for you? And I said, I need to know if my wife's dead or alive. I said, that's all I need to know. I've been here for about four hours. I just need to know. And she goes, does she have an ID? And I said, no. She goes, did you sign in? Yes. She goes, I need to take you. So they took me back to, at that point, which they had turned in the cafeteria and all of the eating comments into like a place for people to sit of all the families who had people, whether they had someone they knew that was there or was it a Jane Doe, basically, because Autumn was known as Trauma Brenda. That was her thing because they didn't have an idea. Trauma Trauma Brenda. Brenda. (laughs) And I didn't know this till later, but that's what she was down as. And so I remember vividly, which is kind of funny that you say you were sitting there talking to someone who'd been shot in the stomach and I'm sitting in the back and some guy looked at me because I remember you, you you were in a different space and I said yeah I wasn't doing so good and it was about 2.30 and I'm sitting in the back of the room and I'm sitting there going huh there are three men all shot standing or sitting having a, just a normal conversation like this is I just remember looking this is not something you see every day mm-hmm. and I just remember looking that this is so messed up that they're and knowing that they were perfectly fine they were bandaged and probably given some pain meds to help with the pain and they were just sitting there knowing that there was so much other things that had to go and about three o'clock in the morning they called us and we needed to go to a conference room which was just two doors down and they sat us all in there and they said okay so here's what's going to happen we are going to we now know everybody who has an id we know where their loved ones are we are now working with everyone who doesn't know where your loved one is. We are going to call you down one by one. We have all your names, and we are going to give you a worker, and they are somebody that works at the hospital, and they are going to work with you until we either find out whether your loved one is here or that they were moved somewhere else or whether they're not here. About 3.30 hits, I'm still waiting, and all of a sudden I hear my name, and I bounce up and it's I hear this don't get too excited it's just me and it was her sister and I was like oh so I had another friend because at that point my buddy had stayed back in the other waiting room 15 minutes later my not 15 about 5 minutes later 10 minutes later I just got through telling the series of events to her sister and I hear my name again so I bounce up we go down I start talking to this lady and my phone rings and I'm like she looks at me like dude are you really going to take this right now and I was like oh yeah this is my buddy he's here and I'm taking this he worked for a pharmaceutical company, knew all the nurses, and had been walking around showing a picture of Autumn's face. One of the nurses that worked in ICU cardio, I've seen that. And he goes, I got to go. So he called me and said, I, I know she's here, but they won't let me confirm because I'm not her husband. And I said, you know she's where? And the lady goes, give me the phone. Gave her the phone. She goes, I know exactly where they are. And I get goosebumps talking about it right now. And at like 345, I walked up and I walked through cardio ICU. And I look 40 feet. And I'm like, that's her. And just <laughs> boom, get out of my way. And then I went. And that was when I saw her. It was about 345. They had just moved her into the room. And the best way I can explain it is um, they were still trying to get the cocktail right. They would give her some medicine, and the heart rate would go up. They'd give her another thing, and blood pressure would go down. And then a, shortly thereafter, within minutes, all of a sudden, it's going boop, boop, the little the sound of just steady. Mm-hmm. And from that moment on, I took a deep breath, and we were there. got everyone there. It was my buddy, um, her sister, and myself, and we were in the room, and 
it's like Steve said, I had a sense in that hospital that I was safe, that there was a, and until crazy things had happened, all of a sudden I hear a tat, 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 tat. And I was like, because when you walked outside, there were police officers with guns mm-hmm. and they were fortifying hospitals. And I hear the tat, 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 tat. And I was like, and the nurse, and is like, what's wrong? I said, I said, and her sister's like, oh God, what's wrong? And I was like, what is that? It was the same exact cadence, the shooting. Mm-hmm. And they were doing construction and they were jackhammering concrete outside the thing. And I was like, you're, and within within 10 minutes, it was gone and over. And it was right outside our window. And I was like, and no, 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 we can't do that here right now. This can't happen. And it stopped. And then that was about, like I said, 345. So five hours of just not knowing and absolutely, yeah, excruciating. Yeah. Now fast forward us two years. What's the what's the road been? How many surgeries have happened? So we're at uh, sixteen different surgeries or procedures, called um, multiple on the jaw, but also on the hip. I had bone bone grafts done. Um, I had a feeding tube for almost eleven months. I had the tracheostomy for ten months. Wow. Um, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of rehab along that way, um, physical. How long before you were talking again? I was wired shut for, initially I was wired shut for the um, six weeks, seven weeks. And then um, I wasn't really able to talk very well, but I was eventually um, been there. To, you weren't able to talk at all. I was able to make some sound. I when thought you know, I was yeah. talking. The first time I got to see Autumn. Um, I went to her house, and I'll never forget because she still she jaw wire like or still had the beautiful smile though like still just like you know and kind of would do the you know kind of cover her mouth and um, but she had her little whiteboard or what was it a little uh-huh. like or it was a, it was a smart a little smart board smart so board you could write on it and communicate and, and are you a talker well I yes. am and yes. as fast as I talk yes. <laughs> You know, as fast as you talk, you want to write just as fast, so there was that. But, um, yes, I was able to, when I was unwired, and then I ended up in the emergency room, and they ended up admitting me in the hospital again right before Thanksgiving. As part of that story, they changed out my trait. And when they did, the trait that I was given allowed uh, for the air to pass through a little easier, so I was actually able to make sound and... Frank, Frank needs to tell this portion though, because this, it's just a beautiful. So, if you want to know the strength that she has, we're it's November, it's cold time. Kids have had sick, and we're sitting there, and she thinks she's sick. So we go to the hospital on Friday because every time she's sick, she's got trach issues. You got to clean it out, nauseous. So we go. They're all you're nauseated, so they give her some stuff, and they can sit home. And she's like well, can I take this at home? Because I'm sitting here in this ER. This is crazy. And so we go home. Saturday happens. And then Sunday, we start throwing up. Like, just... And she's wired. You were still wired shut. Mm-hmm. Oh, still no. wired shut. And I'm like, oh, dude, no, we can't... No, the wire had just come off. So the wire, I yeah, barely the, open. The, it's because we had just had a talk with the doctor about removing the trach. And she oh. wasn't happy with that doctor. And we ended up with a really good one after, but whatever. Um, and so we're at the hospital. And the doctor's talking to her. And we 
Sunday, I drive there. I mean, it's just like a hot mess. Because you know, think about it, your jaw has pretty much been locked, and now she's trying to throw up, and it just forces. So she's in pain. And this is a stomach flu? Or? Oh, no, no, well, no. Hey, this is I, a good That's what I thought. No, that's what you thought. So we get to the doctor, and the doctor, first question is, okay, let's go through your medicine. You're on a fentanyl patch. You have, was it Oxy? Oxy. Oxy. She goes, oh, no, no, I stopped that. I don't have any more pain, so I stopped taking it. And I look at her sister, because I called her sister medicine. I was like, kidding me? I said, she's having withdrawals. She goes, heck yeah, she's having withdrawals. The doctor goes, you're going through withdrawals. You're not sick. So oh, she was, no. had, because she'd been on so many narcotics mm. and she came off it so hard, her mm. body went into withdrawals and she was going through literally withdrawals. Mm. The doctor goes, you, you, you can't do that with the drugs you were on. She goes, I didn't have any more pain. I mm. felt fine. And I just stopped. <laughs> and so I felt fine. So literally, we were in the hospital for literally drug withdrawals i guess i mean i had a druggie you know and i mean and so we're sitting there i mean and literally long story short we're sitting there and she has a trach in this is now sunday we're now at tuesday and they're thinking i asked we had a nurse issue we talked whatever i talked to a nurse and they asked i said well our surgeon said he wanted to get rid of the cuff trach because he was worried about creating damage to the vocal cords. And the doc was like, no, not really, but you don't need the cuff anymore. You're no longer in danger of choking, and it will be easier to breathe and that. So the cuff trach, it's just a little extra tubing. So if you choke, you can inflate it, and you can s stop yourself from choking and basically having a bad experience. And so they did it, and it was Wednesday, Tuesday night, and I'm getting ready because we were going to do Thanksgiving at our house. And because it was easier because all of her stuff was at her house, all the machines at her house, the pumps, everything. I was like, that way when you're tired, we just take you upstairs. Everyone stays downstairs. We all clean up. You get to be a part of it. It's no big deal. She was like, I'm good with that. So I was sitting out to text, hey, look, we may not be able to do Thanksgiving on Thursday. Maybe we just do it on Saturday when we get home. They, they decide to go ahead and change out the trach on Wednesday morning. Was it? No, it was, it was Tuesday, Tuesday night, night. Tuesday night. And so just like a little kid and you know, Brad talks about the smile. No, this is great. Almost, she goes, she goes, I see her kick and she's got this napkin. And the whole idea was to be able to blow so the napkin moves. She goes, and she goes, <laughs> and she smiles and I start laughing. I'm like, that's awesome, right? So the next morning, literally Wednesday, I'm texting out the, sorry, we can't do Thanksgiving. And I'm here, Frank. I was like, you can talk. She goes, I can talk. And I was like, I <laughs> she goes, and from that moment on, it was eight o'clock. I think she stopped talking about 1230. It was so painful. Aww. And so literally she's like, it hurts. I was like, well, you've Stop talked for talking, four right? hours after not talking for like, which is beautiful. It was it's awesome. Beautiful. And yeah. you had a lot built up to say. I did. <laughs> it was awesome. That's yes. fantastic. And okay. so, Talking doesn't solve all your problems. What, no. what, so give, give us a, a kind of overview rundown of what the recovery process is. What kind of therapy do you need? And so, well, I went through um, speech therapy, obviously. Uh, there was severe damage to my tongue, and so we're still working on that. I'm actually still in speech therapy. Every time I'd have another surgery, I was wired shut again, so then we would have to backtrack to that. Initially, there was occupational therapy, physical therapy, getting all of that back. Because I was in the hospital for so long, I didn't come out of the rehab hospital until November 2nd. So we're 32 days, 33 days uh, in the hospital. There was a lot of like spatial issues because you're in a small confined space. So just being 
out like in the house with the lights and with the movement being in the car was awkward so all of that had to come back so we worked back to all of that uh, eventually working back to driving and doing all of that and then so that was a slow process of trying to get through all of that. I, adventure, Frank. I, I see went, on the first day she drove, she got hit. <laughs> oh, she car accident. Oh, I got a call no. at school, and I had missed a lot of days. And I get a call. I was in a car accident. I'm on my way. I go running down to our secretary, and I was like, "Hey, I gotta go." She's like, "Again?" I'm like, "She drove for the first time. She drove the kids the first time to school, and she got hit." She's like, "Oh, good gracious, go!" And so out the door, I'm running. I'm like, "Sorry." Yep, first day we got in a car accident. Yep. So that was a you know long process of that plus all of the was having the trach and a feeding tube. There was adjustment to that. Initially, I was hooked up to a feeding machine twenty four hours a day, uh, and that was able to subside after a couple months of learning to feed myself and being able to do that with the tube. And so, um, what did it take to to get through all that? that that's uh, and I know there's more, and I interrupted you. There's a whole lot more. The road to recovery, at, your story is a, is a dramatic one, but everybody has stuff that, that we recover from. And, and it takes character and it takes strength. What, what, what was it that, that got you through all of this? I think for us, well, for me, it was a lot of us together. Um, he was at everything, always there. Um, I jokingly now say I'm unhealthily attached to him. <laughs> but um, being able not to be codependent when right, but yeah. in, such a uh, in our family, the kids, we did. You know, we we were very um, aware of making sure that they that what was happening to us and what I was going through was as normal as possible. Can that I, this is let, just what I want to jump in right here okay. because knowing you guys, that's something that that just blows me away is for their children they made everything as normal and still continue to make everything as normal as possible like i mean it 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 blows my mind on i mean just how they've kept everything running for their children and you know you're asking i know one of the things is your babies and that was one of the first (laughs) things going through your mind there you talked to us about in episode one your babies you you talk about them all the time you talk about them before this incident you talk about them after (laughs) It family to them is is super strong, yeah, super important. Part of what gets you through? Mm-hmm. You got a reason for it, mm-hmm. right? You got a reason to fight, and they're worth it. So, uh, Frank, tell me a little bit about your your wife's character through all this. What have you seen in her? Um, resilient. She she perseveres just through about anything. I mean, to be, I don't want to say dealt that hand to be given that to overcome but still I think we were just talking about this yesterday or two days ago we volunteer a lot we do a lot we've been involved and we've been board members in little leagues or whatever and I remember if if she had a trach a feeding tube but yet was sitting behind a desk registering little kids for little league and you're looking at parents of like, so I have a trach, I have a feeding tube, and I'm helping. Why are you not here? <laughs> like, and it's just one of those of like, and it's just, and her idea was, and it, it's a perfect way to look at it of, I can do this, so why don't I? Instead of what I can't do, while I'm able to go help, there's nothing saying I can't. I can't really talk all that well right now, but I can at least sign kids in and get you registered. So the ability to always look at it of, 
not what I can't do, but what I can do, and what I can do, let's go do. Yeah. You know, I heard her say to me, actually, what I get to do. Let's mm-hmm. get to God to. Such a, yes. <laughs> See, she's, that's, that's something so powerful because we get to do things that sometimes mm-hmm. we avoid because of this or that. But it's like, no, I should I should be super happy and praise the Lord that I get to we do get these to. things. We get to. And we've done that. For you can ask our kids, you know, well before this, it was like, you know, they knew what get to got to was. The baseball players knew what get mm-hmm. to got to was. The ASB kids, like we talked about it all the time. You know, we get to do this. When um, one of the things we talked about, uh, why we, why I not recovered the way I did, but why we reacted the way is this concept of grace, which you and I have talked about. Mm-hmm. Brad and I have talked about several times is that one of the things that was really important for us and me especially too i think was through all this i i wanted our children to respect how we handled all of this like i wanted that concept of grace with everything that we were doing for them to be able to look back and say this is what happened when i was a kid but hey this is how my parents handled it and not, oh, when I was six, my mom was shot and it ruined our family or it ruined our lives. I wanted them to be able to say, well, this is what happened, but hey, this is how we handled it and this is what what happened. And so we've allowed, for me especially, I've allowed them to see some of those bad moments, to see some of those breakdowns because recovery is not perfect. Recovery is awful. And they've witnessed that, but then they've also witnessed my ability to bounce back from that and to have that resilience of mom's having a meltdown, mom needs five minutes, but okay, in 15 minutes, we're leaving and we're going to a restaurant and we're having dinner or you're having dinner and mom's watching you have dinner, but you know, we did stuff like that. Yeah, they, they knew I didn't isolate myself. I didn't stop volunteering. You know, there's pictures of me in my children's classrooms helping with an art project. Tracheostomy, feeding to, you know, like it's just And I will, let me, a little bit with this. So one is you had told me, I don't want to be a victim. I know you had talked to me about that. Another thing though, when you talk about recovery and the process of it, I mean, we were supposed to record this episode when? Last month. Uh, uh, Last month. month And through part of the recovery, it was delayed, you know, because of just what you're going through. We also know the, the mental aspects to it. There's been situations where we need to get out of certain areas just because mm-hmm. the amount of people. Um, there's been things for you with those. And, you know, so it's still ongoing. Um, but, but what I will say is this, too, is as much as you volunteer, I know you do get worn out still because of it. You know, and that, that's something where, you know, we would all love to have you back at Paramount High School. But I recognize you go volunteer for an art project. Mm-hmm. You're able to go home. There's a nap. You don't come all day at this <laughs> no. point and be able to, you know, no, be not there for the whole day. Not yet. <laughs> not but yet. but that's the road that you're on, and, and very admirable how you've handled it. Well, we, as we talk about character, the character takes you through. We we talked in uh, in the first couple episodes the the character that that comes up instinctually in the midst of of a high stress event of what you went through. But but something that is recovery over a long haul takes a different sort of strength. There, there's strength and courage in the moment. There, there's a very much different kind of courage that it takes to just keep persevering, the, uh, the resilience required to, to keep mo- moving forward when you can't do very simple things. We talked about learning to talk again. You don't even remember learning to talk the first time. There was no struggle, mm-hmm. but to, to learn to, to redo and relearn something that, that you were able to do. That there's character that comes to it, and, 
as I as I look at your story, what what I see is character shines through that was already there. You talk about just doing the things you did before, and and in some ways, your character is needs to be ingrained in you so that you aren't defined by. Mm what happened you aren't defined by even the overwhelming amount of work that goes into to recovery you still are who you are and as a couple you are who you are but in some ways you can't be who you were no, and, and your character you need to hold on to the character of who you were but you've also got to grow something your character and needs to to grow in a way that that it hasn't before it's the new normal yeah it it forces i hope it's forced us just to be better I mean, you you look at times and to value the things that should be valued. I mean, time with your wife, time with your kids, um, understanding just the importance. And it's so cliche, but it's so true that you don't know when that last time you may say hi, you may see them, you may just, it's important. And the value of being able to do things with your kids, things with your family, things with your friends. It, it definitely, it, it changes you. Yeah. It, it, you can't say it doesn't. And sometimes it's not always a good, but, and, and you got to fight through that and find ways to get some help to get through that. Um, but it definitely, it definitely changes you. Yeah. And you use the word grace. Grace is one of my favorite <coughs> words. It's my daughter's middle name. <laughs> I love grace. <laughs> and but grace has has multiple meanings. And we talk about grace in church. Usually, we talk about grace. We we mean the gift of God and that life is a gift. And we're reminded through the the hard times that we're not promised anything. We're not owed anything in this life. And to take what we have as a, as a gift. And you talk about getting through the things that you don't have. Well, if we didn't deserve it in the first place, and you can look at life as as a gift then it changes the way you experience it. Then it becomes a get-to. But grace is also, uh, we also use grace in the sense of how we walk through life, the way you carry yourself, and, and the way that, that we we treat others, that we can treat others and, and walk through life gracefully, even in the midst of, of a life that, that will throw chaos at us, and then we'll, we'll throw curveballs and difficulty and hard times, but we can still walk gracefully through it. And, uh, and I want to, I want to, change directions here and i knew as we talked about recovery i told you guys as we did this that autumn we were going to be talking to you quite a bit and because your your recovery story is an extreme one and it's an inspiration to us but i also want to talk Stephen abra uh, about the the road of recovery was different for you you were able to drive away from the hospital you got a bullet in your leg and you still Which, got it two not years normal, later by the way that's, <laughs> that's that's not a normal story <laughs> but uh but each of us ha- has our own story. And I want to talk about the, the recovery that happened. Abri, you shared with me about some of the struggles that happened immediately after. You, you don't have visible wounds, but, but there are effects that can't be shaken off quite so easily. So, so walk me through some of that and where, how that recovery road was for you. Okay. For me, I wish, actually, I listened to Autumn and I wish that I was like her. I'm actually the complete opposite of that. I am a scaredy cat at heart. And um, so this for me was just, but I also was a trusting person. I would go to sleep with the windows open and, you know, leave with the doors open and all of that. So from this was like a radical change for me. And um, I was terrified, literally and utterly terrified. As soon as it would get dark, I would go around and shut the windows, the blinds. 
I didn't want to go outside, you know, any noises. And um, for me, it was, it was, we live in this world. We know that, that evil things happen. But when you are a part of something that is so evil, it, it's, it's terrifying to get a glimpse into that, you know? So um, I would go to sleep and I would wake up every half an hour, every hour, all night long. And I would just be stricken with fear, wondering I couldn't sleep, you know? I made him get a, a, an alarm system on the house because I was afraid I was gonna wake up and someone would be <clears throat> standing above me or something and I would be surprised. So um, what I knew is that I had to take it to the Lord. And so every time I would wake up, I would just seek his face, you know, and I would just put my eyes on his face and just picture him and pray. And within minutes, I would fall back to sleep. And I prayed to him that he would, you know, take away the fear that I had, but that he would always let me remember how good he was and how graceful he was, you know, and he did. He calmed me like, you know, this is my guy for long, 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 many, many years. (laughs) And, um, he calms me like no one else can, but the peace that I got from the Lord is, I can't describe it. You know, it's, no one can give it to you. No human can give that to you. And, and he did, he gave that to me and he healed me through all of that. And every night, night by night, I'm not saying it was perfect because I would be lying. I was terrified, but, um, he, every night he just little by little, you know, so that's, that's how he got me through it. Mm-hmm. And when you, when you we talk about healing, healing is a process and, and healing takes time. And, the, I, I think a a very naive faith might might think that well if God is real he can just you know go just zap me and everything's great but God designed us the the way that, that we are created we we are beings that, that heal over time healing is an incredible thing just biologically as a science guy I'm I'm fascinated by by the aspect that our bodies heal and rebuild and recover but they were not designed we're, we're not designed to be Wolverine. And, uh, and, you know, just like, it just grows back. But there are things that happen along the healing process that are, we grow close to each other and we grow, grow close to God as he helps us mm-hmm. through. And that healing process, there's a purpose for the healing process. Now, uh, we're, we're running low on time on these, mm-hmm. man. Yeah, we're going to have to cut this one and story. push some of this. I'm going to, I'm going to give us uh, uh, let's, uh, let's move to our, some of the verses we want to share as we talk about recovery and restoration, uh, ask you guys to, to, find uh, some verses for us and so we, we've shared a few so we're going to read around the the studio here some of the verses um that speak to recovery and restoration and again we're doing throw down a little bit differently so hopefully i'm not going to get carded this time and uh, <laughs> you might i don't know brad's giving me a look i might get carded anyway <laughs> you but, might uh, <laughs> you might so brad why don't, why don't you take us in where are we going with throw down all right steven Aber, we're going to start with you guys so i know you got something here for us on recovery and restoration yeah, um, one of the verses we wrote down is is another pillar is Proverbs three five and six. Just reminds us to trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to Him, and He'll make your path straight. So, mm-hmm. 
Amen to that. It's mm. beautiful. And Autumn Frank, I, I think Autumn, you wanted to share <clears throat> one from uh, Jeremiah over there. Jeremiah 33, 6. Nevertheless, I will bring health and healing to it. I will heal my people and will let them enjoy abundant peace and security. I love it. I love it. These are just... Oh. Right, to talk about them all. Right? Well, we're, we're too low on time. I know. Chris, Chris. Okay, Romans 3, uh, Romans 5, verse beginning at verse 3. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And I really want to talk about it, but I'm going to resist. You might get carded for that. <laughs> I believe you guys had one one more for us. Yes. And this goes along exactly with what I was talking about. Is Matthew 11, 28 and 29. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Mm. I love that phrase, rest for your souls. Rest for your souls. That's a deep thought. I mean, but we're not going to get into it. (laughs) Yeah, man. So I'm going to close it out. Philippians 4.13, another famous one. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And uh, and I will say into this one, we often use this verse to talk about I can accomplish anything. Mm -hmm. You know, it goes on sports posters if, if you're a Christian. Like, I can do anything, but that's really not the context of the verse. Paul is talking about enduring suffering, and he's saying, I can get through anything. He's not talking about, I can conquer, I can mm-hmm. accomplish. He's saying, I'm going to get through it because I get strength from the one who gives me strength from the yes. Lord. And uh, and I'm going to have to close out here. I had more to share and more to talk about, but I want to invite you guys back for episode four. For episode four, we're going to close out the series, and uh, we're going to dig, dig in on a couple of the more challenging issues, talking about PTSD, talking about fear, but also about freedom and, uh, and about that fight inside that gets us through. And we will finally address the elephant in the room and find out how this experience has affected our thoughts on guns and gun control. But that's going to be next time. So I'm going to say goodbye to our guests. Thank you so much, Stephen Abra, for joining us. Thank you, Frank and Autumn and Brad. Thanks for joining me again. It's been good. It was another good Good. episode. It's a muddy world, so walk by faith and walk with grace. We'll see you on the next Soul Podcast. That's all for the Soul Podcast, everyone. I hope you enjoyed the story. Join us next time as the conversation continues. You can subscribe wherever great podcasts are found, and you can find every episode at soulpodcast.com. That's S-O-L-E podcast.com. The Soul Podcast is a production of Through the Word, If you like this podcast, you're going to love Through the Word with audio guides for every chapter in the Bible. Join us for an epic journey through the entire Bible and understand the Bible in just 10 minutes a day. Get the app free at throughtheword.org. Thanks, everyone. Our producer is Brad Hornback. Audio production by Kira Joy. Video by Michael Kincaid. Audio editing by Daisy Short. On behalf of the whole team at The Soul Podcast, thanks for joining us. You heard the story, now go talk about it. Share a post, tell a friend, start a conversation, and we'll see you in the next one. You've got to hear that story.